Well, praise the Lord, everybody. This is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you so much for joining me for this special edition of Kingdom Rock Radio. On today's broadcast, I want to bring you a special series of messages entitled Marriage Enrichment by my wife, Pastor Sumiko Stroud. In this series, you're going to discover how to be a godly spouse, and you're really going to be blessed. Now, don't forget to go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can download this entire series and share it with a friend. All right, without any further ado, here comes the series entitled Marriage Enrichment. The atmosphere one of learning and one of growing and sharing, and we thank you and we honor you and we praise you. We are just so excited to be together in your presence. We honor you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Well, as always, what I want you to do is listen um, to hear for yourself and not for your spouse. Uh, sometimes that is a challenge when you go to conferences, when you're sitting in church, you hear stuff and you're thinking, oh, so-and-so should be here to hear that, or they need to know that, or I hope they're listening. But I don't want you to do that. I want you to, this is the one time you get to be selfish. You're listening just for you to see what you can do uh, to become better, to grow and to become stronger, um, what you can, changes you may need to make in your life. So you are listening to hear for yourself. Now, before we jump in, is everybody comfortable? Anybody need something to drink or what have you? We're good? Sit where the air's not blowing right on you or what have you? Okay. All right, we're gonna do a little review first from classes one and two, uh, just because I like to do a little review to make sure that we are all where we're supposed to be. So class one, we talked about the four foundational laws of marriage, and just like any laws, uh, if you abide by them, things will go well. Um, and if you break them, things will not. So we don't wanna break those laws. Four foundational laws of marriage brought to us courtesy of Genesis chapter two, verses 24 and 25, and they are a priority, there should be no relationship with any person that is before your relationship with your spouse. Uh, our relationship, our personal relationship with Jesus Christ comes first, and then any and everything. Good morning, we're just starting, come on in. Uh, and then we're doing a review right now uh, from chapter one, the four foundation, I mean from class one, the four foundational laws of marriage. Uh, so no other relationship other than our relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ uh, should come before uh, your relationship with your spouse, not with your kids, not with your parents, not with your dog, not with your cat, not with your car, um, not with your hobbies. Your relationship with your spouse should come first, and that has to be more than just in what you say, that is shown in what you do, okay? Law number two, the law of pursuit. You have to continue to date your spouse. It's not that you do all the wooing you can do and now I got them and now they're mine. Nope, because they can wake up tomorrow and choose to be someone else's. And so you want them to wake up tomorrow and again choose to be yours. So you have to continue to pursue them, continue to date them, continue to do those things you did to get them in the beginning. And they're going to continue to do those things to you because love is not just a feeling. And that's where we can get sidetracked and we can get lost because that warm fuzzy that you feel when you first fall in love, 
it doesn't always hang around. And so you gotta still be wanting to be with that person once the warm and fuzzy. Now it will come back, it does peep its head back up. It should come back, but there may be some days when you just be like, and you don't wanna get confused when somebody else comes around and makes you feel all warm and fuzzy, right? So you gotta make sure that you are pursuing um, your spouse on a daily basis. The law of possession, we are sharing a life. What's mine is yours, what's yours is mine, it is ours, it's not your stuff is over here and my stuff over here and we've got some stuff that we share in the middle. Nope, the law of possession says that everything you have Everything that you are belongs to me, and everything that you have and everything that you are uh, belongs. So we are sharing a life, okay? We are putting everything in the pot. We are full, equal partners in this relationship. No one is dominating over the other. Uh, we are together in this. And the law of purity, keep your bed undefiled. Don't be inviting other folks in, inviting other spirits in, and recognize that you are the only legal way that your spouse can get their physical needs met. So you don't get to withhold, you don't get to use it as a bargaining chip, you nope, you don't get to say, yeah, okay, fine, you do what you wanna do, we'll see. Nope, you don't get to do any of that. We good with that? That was class number one. Class number two dealt with expectations and disappointments. We all have expectations. Your responsibility is to know what your expectations are and to then clearly express those expectations to your spouse. Don't expect them to read your mind. Don't think they should already know. How should they not know? It is so plainly obvious. It is not obvious if you have not made it obvious. You need to express your expectations. And then when you are disappointed, because it's not an if, it's a when, you are going to be disappointed, don't let your first assumption be, well, they could have done that for me if they wanted to. Don't go there. When you are disappointed, you need to take a step back and first say, one, did I clearly express my expectations? Two, were those expectations realistic? And then you need to deal with the disappointment because if you don't, walls are gonna come up that are gonna hinder your intimacy in your relationship. And after a while, you'll have that thing where you say, I don't know, we just grew apart. Nope, it doesn't just, don't let it just sneak up on you. So when you are disappointed, you need to sit down and have a conversation with your spouse. Again, not accusing them, not assuming that they just did not want to do what you wanted done, but perhaps either they didn't understand what you wanted done, or maybe it was not within their skill set to be able to do it. That's why I say make sure that your expectations are reasonable. Sometimes we expect people to do things they simply cannot do. They just don't have it within them to be able to do it, or they cannot do it the way you want it done. And you have to be careful about that as well because each of us, when we do things, we figure, I'm doing it this way because this is the absolutely best possible way it can be done. Well, your spouse is also thinking, this is the absolute best possible way it can be done. And that may be two different ways. So you have to be willing to allow them to do things their way and not be so hypercritical that your way is the only way. Be willing to see things from their point of view as well.
Okay, so today we're gonna talk about uh, the roles of husband and wife, sort of a look at the job description. And y'all know where we're headed, Ephesians 5, because I know you've been dreading it all along. I don't want her to be talking about that. Well, today she's gonna be talking about that as soon as she can figure out how to open up this tablet. My husband makes me use these security things that um, I don't always remember. Okay, Ephesians 5. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. And first, I'm just going to read verse 21. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ or out of respect for Christ. So, what I want you to remember is that before you are husbands and wives, you are brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that chronologically you got born again before you got married, because I know that didn't happen with everybody. That just means in a state of being, in your current existence, you are brothers and sisters in Christ before you are husbands and wives. What does that mean? It's telling us that we are submit to one another out of reverence, out of respect for Christ. How do we treat, how should we treat each other as just brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, when you read the New Testament, it is all through there how we're supposed to treat one another. We're supposed to love each other um, as Jesus has loved us. It says in John that the world will know that we're his disciples because of our love one for another. So when you look at a Christian, you should be able to tell a person is a Christian not because they have the fish symbol on the back of their car or because they have the big cross around their neck or because they have a t-shirt that says, I'm a Christian. You should be able to look and observe the way that they treat other people and the way that they treat fellow Christians and say, there's something about them. They are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Right. So that is how people should be when they look at you, treat your husband a certain way or you treat your wife a certain way. They should be able to say not only is that a married couple, but that's a Christian couple. You can tell by how they treat each other. OK, so if you already don't have that, you got to take a step back because it is not only the way you're treating your spouse, but just a fellow brother and sister in Christ. And sometimes we can be nicer to people that we are not married to than we are to people that we are married to. And that is just shameful. All right, so how else are we to be? Romans 12 says, as much as possible, we should live peaceably with all men. So we should be living a peaceful life uh, with each other. Uh, Romans 14 says, don't judge each other. We shouldn't be making judgments about each other. And very importantly, it says, don't put a stumbling block in your brother's way. Don't set up things for um, each other to fail. Don't set up these little tests around to see if they're gonna pass the test. We're not gonna play these games. We don't do that. Don't set up stumbling blocks. And 1 Corinthians says that we should be in unity with one another. So this is even outside the marital relationship. This is just because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We should be treating each other this way. But now you guys have taken a step further and you have married one another. So there's a little bit more expected uh, when we are a married couple. Taking us back to Ephesians, we're gonna finish it up, 22 through 28, and it reads as follows, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife, head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. 
He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. All right, now, so we'll put that away. And let's talk a bit. It says that wives are to submit themselves to their husbands and husbands to love their wives. So we're gonna go into that and see what that is all about. Because what it is definitely not about is about one spouse dominating the other. You're not the boss of me. That is not what that means. Uh, submission comes from two Greek words that I'm not going to pronounce because I'm not that pastor. He can do that very well. I am not going to do that. So I'll just tell you that it means uh, to, to subject, to, to place under uh, subjection or to submit. Uh, now, submission is about when the husband is ahead of the wife, we are talking about... <clears throat> a position of responsibility, a, res or a position of leadership. Not that the husband is superior to the wife because he's not. We are equal, men and women. God created us in his image. We are equal partners in this relationship. There is not one more valuable than the other. We are both necessary. We are both important. Uh, we have a hierarchy. So the man is in a leadership role. Now remember, he is loving his wife as Christ loved the church. So he is a servant leader. That is not a domineering. That is not an aggressive. That is not a my way or the highway kind of leadership thing. He is a servant leader. So when a wife uh, submits, it is to do with her intelligent willingness to yield her gifts and talents to her husband because she is telling him, I believe that God has given you a vision, a purpose for this family. And I am going to, because remember, Eve was created to be what to Adam? A helper. And the wife is a helper to her husband. And her helping comes in the form of saying, I believe that God has given you this vision for our family. And I am going to submit all of my talents and resources. I'm going to yield them to you for the carrying out of that vision, for the furthering of the mission, so to speak. So it's like we're like our little... Um, <clears throat> military band here and we have gotten our orders um, and your husband is the you know, one that has gotten the orders from high command and you're all going to work together to carry this out. Now that's a problem if the husband hasn't gotten any orders, right? So husbands, that's where your responsibility comes in. If you haven't gotten with God, if you don't have a vision for your family, if you don't have a purpose for your household, then you have a helper that has nothing to help with. And that's a very frustrating place for her to be. So you have to make sure that you have something that she can help you with. And you have to recognize that she is full of gifts and talents and everything that you need for this to, to play out, for it to, to do what needs to be done, you have to tap into those resources. 
And when you don't tap into those resources, or when you've got a helper and they have nothing to do, they get very frustrated. So then they start creating things to do. And they may not be the right things. So you have to make sure that you have gotten that vision, that plan for the Lord. So what we are doing as wives is that we are acknowledging, it's not saying that you couldn't do, but you are acknowledging that this is a hierarchy that God has put in place and I am going to willingly submit my gifts and talents for this to play out. Now, we get all, you know, People get funny about it when you talk about submission in a married couple, but we all operate throughout our entire lives in, in ways where there are hierarchies, where you have to be submitted to someone. And nobody gives it a second thought. You go to work, you have a supervisor, you expect to have a supervisor, somebody that's gonna get the, the orders from high command and they're gonna tell you what your place is in this whole job and you're supposed to get it done. And we don't take a second thought about that. You don't think that, well, they're my supervisor because they're a better person than me or they're a more valuable person than me. Nope. They're a supervisor because the boss looked in the, in, at them and said, well, I think they could lead this group. And so you willingly submit your gifts and your talents and you do your job. Uh, and when there are some issues or when you have something to share, you go to your supervisor and you share those issues and you go and we move on and life is fine. But when we get to our marriages, you're like, well, I got to submit to him. Why can't he do what I, there is a hierarchy, right? But you are still a valuable member of the team because remember it is a team. It is a partnership. You have to do this together. So a wife is willingly um, submitting. It's an act of her will. Now, when a woman does that, what she is telling to her husband is that, that I honor you and respect you. And that is so important because the number one need for a man is honor and respect. And so when he sees you as his wife submitting to him willingly yielding to him, you are telling him, I believe in you, I trust you. And remember we talked about trust before. Trust is two parts. Trust means I believe in your ability to get this job done and I believe in your reliability that you will get this job done. So you're telling him, I trust you, I believe in you, I respect you, I need you. And that has become such an ugly word, hasn't it? For a woman to admit that she needs a man, and we will talk more about that later. But that is what you are telling them, him, and that fulfills a very strong need that he has in his life, which is to be honored and to be respected. And when you honor a man, when you respect a man, when you praise him for the things that he has done, that just swells up his chest and pride, he wants to do more. Am I right, guys? You want to do more for a woman that appreciates you and honors you and respects you. That doesn't mean he's going to be perfect in everything. He's flawed. He's human. But you know what, ladies? So are we. We are flawed. We are human. I know. And nobody wants to admit that. And ladies don't want to recognize that. We expect our husbands to be something that we're not. So he is a human being. He's going to have flaws. He's going to have shortcomings. But it's not your job to sit back and point those out to him. I'm not sure why we thought that was part of our calling to do. But it's not to sit back and point out to him every little thing he did wrong. But it is part of our calling 
to encourage him and to praise him for those things that he's done right. So when we submit, when, when it says that wives are submitting, what that is telling us is that we are willingly yielding all that we are, all of our gifts and our talents to our husband for the betterment and the fulfillment of the mission. Just think about that. It, it, this is a mission that we're going on. This is our family. We have a plan for this family. And I need to bring all that I have to the table to help this thing be successful. Okay? Any questions on just the wife's part so far? We, we should have time for questions and answers at the end. Okay. So, yeah, but a man needs to know that he is important to you and that he is not easily replaced. And unfortunately, in our society, the way we have things going these days, it, it's like our men are easily replaced. We'll talk about that in a minute, too. Now, the husband. It says that the husband is called to love his wife as Christ has loved the church. This is about a humble and loving headship. Think about how Christ is with the church. It is a sacrificial love. It is a love that has to do with choice, not with feeling. It's not about whether or not she deserves to be loved, whether she is lovable or even likable on some days, but it is a choice and it is a sacrifice. You are willing to lay down your life for her. And that's not just in words. That's not saying, honey, I take a bullet for you, but you won't take 10 minutes to talk to me about how my day was. I don't get that. You know, so it is a sacrifice of your life to be there and to be that leader in the household that she needs. That means that you are going to, you, you got to give up some things. You got to give up yourself. Think about how Christ relates to the church. He did what was necessary so that we could be reconciled to God, even when we were rejecting him, even when we were dishonoring him even when we were ignoring him because it wasn't about our response to him. It was about what needed to be done, recognizing the, the role that he had to play and then carrying that role out. Now, when a husband does this, of course, again, this is a selfless act, just like the woman's selfless act of submission. The man's uh, love of his wife is a selfless act and it fulfills the wife's greatest need, which is what? Security. The woman needs to know that you are going to be there for me. You're going to protect me emotionally. You're going to meet my needs. You're going to protect me physically. Yeah, if there's a bullet coming, I expect you to stop that bad boy. Jump in front of it with all you got, and we'll be both praying that you survive. I'm, I'm going to expect you to protect my children whether they are the children that I had with you or the children that I brought into the marriage, I'm going to expect you to be there for them, to be the very important father figure that they need in their lives. I'm going to expect you to provide for us. I don't mind working, I don't mind helping, but unless God has called us to live in a cardboard box, I'm gonna need some two by fours around me and a little bit of concrete. 
I'm going to expect you to provide for me. Now, that doesn't mean that I want to work you like a slave and you put me in this mansion if that is not. Remember, our expectations have to be realistic. I realistically expect for you to provide a safe environment for me and my children to be in. That doesn't mean it has to be the most expensive house in the community because I also want to be able to enjoy you but I do have those expectations, that need for safety. And when a man does that, he is fulfilling that need. I expect you to be the guard at the gate, spiritually. I'm gonna expect you to pray. And that, I mean, you have to get up early in the morning while I'm still sleeping in the bed. I appreciate my husband for that, that I know that every morning he's gonna get up and pray that he's gonna be covering our family in prayer, that before we go to bed at night, he covers us in prayer. I appreciate that. That makes me feel safe. It makes me feel secure. I need to know that he is gonna be that watchman on the wall, that he is spiritually in tune to the Lord and he's listening out, that if there's something coming this way or something going on, uh, that he is going to be there to intercept that thing, that he's gonna tell us we need to do this or we need to go this way or we need to go that way. Um, and I trust him to hear from God and that is part of where my submission comes in as I trust that he is doing that and then when he turns and says, this is what we need to do, well, then I don't buck up against him and be like, wait, what? I don't know about that. I just, I just don't know. You know, and if when, if there are some checks in my spirit, I'm at liberty to share those. And I can be like, well, honey, this is what I'm feeling. And then we pray together uh, to get an understanding or to get direction, the full picture, because he won't always have the full picture. Sometimes you will have the full, you know, parts of the picture, or you may have the full picture. But a wife's greatest need is her security. So we need to know that. Know that you're going to study the word. Know that you're going to pray. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be some eloquent speaker or be able to read the word and get all these deep meanings, but at least you are trying. You are putting forth some effort. You are praying and asking God for wisdom. You are asking him to open up the scriptures to you. You are leading us in some kind of Bible study. You are putting forth the effort to be the leader in our home. And God will make up the difference. And we will pray as wives. We pray and be supportive of our husband. So you may be stronger in the word than him. That doesn't help anything for you to lord that over him. You may be smarter intellectually than him. And what good is that gonna be for you to, to hold that over him? Nope, you just use that to help, to supplement, to do what needs to be done, but you don't use it to beat him over the head with or make him feel bad about himself. And husbands, you don't get to use that as an excuse not to do it. Well, she can hear from God better than me, I'll let her pray. Nope. She knows the word better than me, I'll let her do the studying. And nope, you don't get to use that as an excuse to not fulfill your job, what's in your job description. You are to love her as Christ has loved the church and he sacrificed and he gave and he teaches us uh, how we should be, how we should live. He was is an example, not only did as he walked the earth was he physically an example for his disciples, but he has given us the scripture to tell us what is expected of us, to show us in love. So you don't get to back away from that, husbands. That's just part of what you got to do. Think about if, if Jesus backed away from his responsibilities of the church and be like, you know what? The Pharisees and stuff down here, they know they'll have to get the word to the people. No, you have to stand your ground and do what you were called to do.
And you have to make sure that you do have a plan uh, for your wife, that you've got an assignment. Um, and then if you don't know, then again, you are a team. You come together and pray together. Lord, show us what do we need to be doing at this season in our lives? Where do we need to go? Maybe we should at this point in our life be working to get out of debt, to get to be debt free. Well, Lord, show us the bill we need to target and then help us to be able to exercise some self-control so that we can get this taken care of. If it is launching out into a ministry, then you know, you're know you praying together, Lord, show us what we need to do, what direction we need to go in. Uh, whatever it is that is going on in your life, you come together as a team, because remember one of the laws of marriage is that you know, you've got that partnership. Um, you, know, you are fully invested partners and you're doing this thing and you're working uh, together. Now, part of the problem that we have is the way our society has made things become. At some point, who knows, one of those chicken and egg things, although already the answer to that one is, had to have been the chicken first since we had to, you know, multiply and whatever. You don't see a bunch of eggs rolling around. Anyway, but at some point, our society, um, I don't know if all of a sudden the men just started in mass exodus leaving their wife and kids, or if the women in mass exodus started telling their husbands, I don't need you, and then they started leaving. I don't know what happened first. But the result has been you had a generation or so of men abandoning their wives abandoning their children, and women who had been stay-at-home moms, all of a sudden with no skills, no training, very little resources, forced to try to make a way to provide for themselves and for their children. Now when that happened, they were able to do it, they did it, because they had to sort of step out of the role of being a helper, and they, a helper, and they had to step in, in the role of being um, the leader. Um, but during that process, so they were doing something they weren't meant to do. And that wore on them physically, emotionally, mentally. Also what it led was for her to teach her daughters, don't ever be in this situation. You need to make sure that you get the education and training so that you can get a good job, so that you can buy your own house, you can buy your own car, you can take care of your kids, you can supply your own needs, you can do what you want to. You don't need a man, right? Because I'm every woman, right? I don't need a man. If one comes along, that's great. He can be there and he can help me with this thing, but if he decides to leave, Go right on out the door. That's fine. I'll get another one. One waiting around the corner. It'll be just fine. Or I got my own stuff. I got my man in the drawer. And ladies, y'all know what I'm talking about. I can supply all my own needs. A man is optional. And so once enough of that, of telling a man that he was optional, you have everything. You don't need him. So he had no purpose. Because when he met a woman that he wanted to marry, and he's thinking, I'm supposed to provide her with security, that's what I do. Well, she's already got her own house. She's already got her own car. She's probably already got her own kids. Whether she got them with another man or a trip down to the bank, she's got her own kids. She's got her own bank account. She's got her own life going already. And he can step in it, but he knows 
whether she says it or whether just from her actions, that he's pretty much just a visitor. And if at any time he checks out, she's going to keep trucking. She ain't even going to miss a beat. And so because the men knew that, they did do that. They just swam in and out of love. Come and be with this woman for a little bit. Things get too rough. I'm gone. And then they go to the next woman. Things get rough. I'm gone. And they're just leaving children in their wake. And what is that telling those children? Men aren't reliable. They aren't responsible. They may be here. They may not be here. That's telling their daughters, you need to make sure you take care of yourself because the man may not stay. It's telling their sons, woman, it's okay. a woman's going to handle her own business. So, hey, you stay if you want to. If it gets too rough, you can go. Daddy left. You can leave. Mama, take care of those kids. They'll be all right. And so we have kept doing that and doing that. And look at the mess that we're in. You have women who say, I don't need a man, and they don't, they're afraid to show vulnerability. And, and it like affects every, every aspect of society, so to speak, because I grew up in a household where my father was present. And we didn't have a lot of money or whatever, but even in that, even though my dad was present in my household, I was still taught to be independent. You know, you don't need a man. You need to get, have your own this, have your own that. Even something as simple as opening the door for me. Now, when I met my husband, he, he did those things and he wanted to do those things, but I had that independent streak to be like, I can open my own door, let's just go. And I thought I'm doing it as a favor because I'm like, in the time it takes you to do that, we can be in this car and on down the road. But what I didn't realize was that I was teaching him she doesn't need me to do that. She doesn't want me to do that. Okay, so I'm supposed to be able, you know, to provide and protect, you know, her and to cherish her. That was a way that he could cherish me. Not that he thought I couldn't physically open the door. I got two hands. Obviously, I could open the door. I had opened thousands of doors before we met, so I wasn't just all of a sudden incapable of opening a door. He wasn't telling me that I couldn't. He was telling me, now you don't have to. Let me do this for you. Let me shoulder this burden for you. So it's not telling us that we can't. Obviously, you can do it, but you don't have to now. I'm here to take that role, to fill that spot in you so that you can do other things, so that we can be as women who we need to be and grow to our fullness in Christ. And so we've had that kind of dynamic going on where as women, we are taught that we don't, you know, you don't need a man, that you're independent. And so we perpetuate that. And then that, you know, affects the men. And so then they feel, well, they aren't needed. And in most places and not even wanted, just tolerated. And who wants to be just tolerated? And so, you know, they didn't stick around or they don't stick around. And so at some point, you know, we have to stop the madness. And even when you look at our television shows, it gets so frustrating because on the average TV show, if there is a husband present at all, if he's there, he is with emotionally withdrawn or he is incompetent, right? He's the buffoon. He doesn't know what to do. Wife got to do everything for him. Can't even dress himself. He's kind of lumped in the pot as one of the kids. I've even heard women say that. How many kids you got? Well, I've got two. Well, you married? No, that means you got three. But no, I just got the two. His mom already raised him. 
You know, but that is how we treat the men. You see that in society, they are incapable. They may bring home a paycheck um, and then you just take the paycheck, but they, have, they don't even have enough sense to do anything else, but just be there. Or they're not there at all. They are deadbeat dad, they're in prison, or they're just broke, or they're a thug, or they're whatever, but it's not a positive influence. And how do we see the wives? She's either in control, running everything, or she's nagging, nagging her husband, or she's tearing him down, tearing him down. You're not this, you're not that. And she's doing it in front of the kids. And so what are the kids doing? Oh, that's just dad. They don't, they don't respect him, they don't honor him. And so you have a, a, a creation whose main need is to be honored and respected, and they don't get that anywhere. So if they are not getting that, then they are not capable of rising to their full potential to take their place in the home, in society where they should be. And so you look at a messed up world that we live in right now, where men think that they're either supposed to be domineering and dominate the woman, or there's just supposed to disappear altogether and she run things and there's not that balance. So we have to make sure that we don't take our cues from what's around us and what we see. And that's difficult because you, it's ingrained you from the time you are little, it's put in you, everything you watch, it's, it's put in you. Uh, but we have to step back and look at the word of God and see how does he want us to be? because this is the perfect case scenario. This is what we need. And, and in this society now, we will be going against the grain, but you have to look at, has that worked? What's been going on doesn't appear to be working to me. The kids are messed up. The husbands are messed up. The wives are messed up. The world is messed up. And men are more and more leaving and wives are taking on responsibilities and duties that they should not have had. Yes, ma'am. Right, because they don't believe marriage works. So they don't marry, they just live together. Um, because the idea of, you know, and, and you'll have couples that will live together because they're like, well, no, this will work better. But all that is doing is telling you at any time you can leave. That's not a commitment. If at any time I can get my grip and walk out the door, how am I supposed to fully trust you and be fully invested in you when I know that you have left yourself an out? So when you are planning the end of the relationship at the beginning of the relationship, that's not going to be a healthy relationship. And again, remember we say there are laws of marriage. So when you aren't married, then you aren't bringing yourself into that covenant, into that agreement. Yeah, they don't apply to you, but they don't work for you. You don't have that same blessing. You don't have that same uh, strength, that same coming together, that bond uh, that is there. You just have two people that are living together for, you know, for right now. I really don't think that is the best way. I know it's not God's way, and I don't think that is a healthy way to do a relationship. If you're going to commit to somebody, I think you should fully commit to somebody. And if you are not ready to fully commit, then I think you don't need to play house. You need to step away. We're just dating. I mean, it really is that simple. You're either going to be fully in or you're not going to be. And I don't think you ought to get, take the, benef the benefit the benefits of an arrangement that you're not prepared to take the responsibilities for.
that's the way I see that. But you're right, a lot of them are choosing not to get married. And that, of course, is bringing children into the world who say, well, I don't need to get married, what's the point? And when you have people that do get married uh, who are not modeling um, a good example, then that just further tells them, well, there's no point in it. Um, you know, but there is. And part of the thing is that we just don't educate ourselves about marriage. And that, that is so frustrating to me is that we are willing to put the time in to learn everything else except for how to be married. And you just assume I'm in love with this is going to work out. Well, you know, if your love is just based on the feeling that you feel right now, I'm just, that's not gonna last because the people that you are on your wedding day are not going to be the same people. You're going to get older. You're going to gain weight or you may lose weight. You may, you know, your hair's gonna get gray or it may fall out. Some teeth may fall out. Your eyes go bad. You know, I'm just, you get up and all of a sudden you, uh, when you move, these bodies change, they deteriorate. And if you fell in love with this person that looks like this, then 10 years from now when they look like something else, what are you gonna do? You're gonna be going out looking for somebody that looks like this other that you married. And so then you have problems with adultery and infidelity because they're in love with a 20 year old woman. Doesn't matter what 20 year old woman, you're in, in love with the idea of the vitality and the looks of a 20-year-old woman. So when your wife becomes a 40-year-old woman who has had your babies, cooked your meals, washed your dirty underwear, then all of a sudden you're, that feeling is not the same and the next 20-year-old woman that walks by, those feelings can be ignited in that. I mean, a lot of it is a chemical reaction and you can see you know, butterflies with this one person, feel the butterflies in your stomach. That doesn't mean you won't with someone else. But when you're in love, when you are loving one another as a choice, that agape love, you won't get caught up in all of that. You will look at your spouse in whatever state they're in, you can say, I choose you because I didn't fall in love with what you looked like. I fell in love with who you are. And I realized that that person is gonna grow and they're gonna change. And because we are sharing this life, we're gonna grow and we're gonna change together. But that is a choice. And it does help when you are wooing each other every day. Remind them why they fell in love with you. And don't base it on superficial, superficial things that can change. We just have no control over that. One car accident can change entirely who, how you look, your ability to do. And if that was all that attracted you to your spouse, then you already have one foot out the door because they can't maintain that. I mean, you have women who are almost killing themselves trying to maintain the look of what they had when they got married. You know, husbands doing whatever to try to maintain, God forbid, you know, if they had a good job when you married them and they lose their job and they're gonna be like, oh God, she's gonna leave me now. Oh, dude, I didn't marry a job, I married you. We'll get through this. We'll work this out. We'll move on to something else. God's got something better. But if he doesn't know that, then he thinks the second I can't, you know, do what I was doing before, 
then I'm not going to be of the same value to her. And we have to be careful that we aren't putting that out there. We may not be saying it, but you could be doing it with your actions. Uh, you could be doing it with the looks on your face or that look in your eyes or your lack of responsiveness where you used to be very responsive. So we do have to be mindful and careful about that. Now, marriage, one thing for us to remember is that marriage is a metaphor. It's like it is the drama, a living drama of how Christ relates to the church. So that when people on the outside look at our marriages, they should be able to see Jesus Christ and the church and the body of Christ. They should be able to see that kind of interaction, that kind of that kind of chemistry, I guess, so to speak, where there is that love, there is that understanding, there is that growth that they are working together. Uh, they should see that in us. They shouldn't see that people, people who aren't married, when they look at you, they should want to be married because they see that there is something special about that connection. Just like people who aren't born again, when they look at a Christian, they should want to be born again. You should be drawing them in, not because of what you say, but simply the lifestyle that you're living. It should be in such a way that people are drawn to it. And when you, if you're driving people away, you're seriously doing something wrong. They should want what you have. Uh, not, you know, exactly what you have. Like you don't want people trying to take your spouse, but you'll have to be careful about that because people do compare and you have to make sure, we have to make sure that we don't do that. We don't say, oh, I want a husband like so-and-so's husband. Well, then you may need to ask yourself, am I the kind of wife that he has already? I mean, obviously something that woman's doing to help him to be that way, because it is when we are behaving a certain way, our husbands behave, they will become a certain way. Same thing with us, with husbands. If you're not happy with the kind of wife that you have, you may need to take a step back. You do need to take a step back and say, well, what kind of husband am I? Am I one that would encourage that kind of growth in her, that would encourage her to be that way? Uh, we like to read about Proverbs 31, how that virtuous wife, virtuous woman, how she is, her husband is praised in the street, her children, praise her. She is busy. She is taking care of business, running things at home. She is making sure everybody's needs are met. Um, and you have to take a step back and say, well, why, how is she able to do that? Well, there's some things that her husband is doing. He is, it says her, the heart of her husband uh, trusts safely in her. He is trusting her with his heart. She knows that he is committed to her and he is making things happen. And so then she is able to put back that worry of, oh my God, I got to make sure that everything is taken care of in case this joker runs off. So when you don't have that worry, then you can relax and you can nurture, be the nurturing element in your home that we are equipped to be because we are nurturers. And that is so important to know that we pr can provide uh, a safe and loving atmosphere for our family to come home to, a place where it is peaceful, where it is inspirational, where they can come and, and receive the support that they need, where they can be uplifted and, and be ready to go out into the world. We have those skills and abilities in us but we don't get to do that if we got to run around and do everything else. 
right? So when our husbands are where they are supposed to be and they are handling that, then we can flourish as wives. When we are encouraging our husbands and supporting them and honoring them and respecting them, we give them the strength, the ability, the confidence to be able to go out and conquer the world because they know this woman's got my back. She's here for me. She knows that I'm not perfect, but she loves me anyway. She encourages me in every way that she can. If I do fall short, she's not going to hit me over the head with it, but she's going to be there lovingly. Honey, that's okay. We got this. We're good. We can do this. And that man can go out and conquer the world because he knows he's got a woman that's supporting him. So that's roles of husbands and wives. Came in in under an hour. Anybody have any questions? Are we good? Did that make sense to you? We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Remember, if you would like to hear today's message in its entirety or hear the entire series, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast and get it on the go. And if you have a Roku device, make sure you search for Kingdom Rock TV. And there you will find this program and so much more. We would also love to see you in a live service. Just go to our website to get the details at www.kingdomrock.org. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.